God has something incredible for all of us here tonight. Praise God. Do you want it tonight? Amen. I know that I do. Hallelujah. I stand before you just a human being uh, called of God and thankful for that calling. But I have learned the older I get that I must depend upon Him. I've got to have God moving in my life. Luke 1.37, if you have your Bibles, Luke 1.37, also Matthew 17 and 20. Luke 1.37, read it with me if you please. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Let's read it again. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Everybody said no thing. Turn around, look at your neighbor, tell him it's nothing but a thing. While you're turning to Matthew 17, verse 20, I will read from Luke 18, 26, and they that heard it said, who then can be saved? And he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Jesus gives a blanket statement, even though he speaks about the rich being saved. He simply says, the things that are impossible with men are possible with God. Matthew 17, verse 20, And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and cast into the sea. <clears throat> Let me get my glasses on. Looks like I need it. Help me, Jesus. If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. All right, here we go. And nothing. Everybody say, Nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. It shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. You have faith as a grain of mustard seed. God is simply saying that's all I need for me to move for you. You take pepper, put it in a pepper mill, you grind it out. The other night we had a great Caesar salad. <clears throat> I didn't put the mustard, I mean the uh, pepper on it. I'll get it right. But when you crush the pepper, and you turn that pepper mill, it, what falls out is the grain of mustard seed or the pepper. It's, it's what's left after the trial, after the grinding, after you being attacked by the adversary, by you going through struggles in your life. The Lord said, if that's all you got left, that's all I need. And so tonight, if I may, I'm going to preach from this thought. If God is able, what's keeping you from your miracle? If God is able, and we know that he is, what is keeping you from your miracle. You believe the Lord is able? Let's put our Bibles down. Let's thank him and let's let him know that we believe him tonight. Father, we thank you for your word. Give you praise. Ghost to breathe upon us in this service uh, to destroy the oak and lift the burden for your people. God, we come boldly under the throne of grace uh, that we may obtain mercy and find that grace that we need and help and in time of need. And I pray that you would speak into our spirit. Let the word of God, Lord, quicken our spirit, Lord, and strengthen our faith tonight. Uh, and we thank you for the things that, Lord, you have heard as we have prayed. And we thank you that you're a God that that is about to stretch forth a nail-scarred hand upon those needs, and you're going to touch them in Jesus' wonderful name. Let's clap our hands to the Lord, and let's give God great praise tonight in Jesus' name.
God bless you tonight. You can be seated in Jesus' name. I'm thankful tonight that you and I are a very blessed and privileged people. That we're able to come to this service tonight and we are able to feel what we feel as we worship God. And to recognize that the, the God of the Bible and the God that we have been preached to about and the God that we believe out of the Holy Writ, that he is not a God that is too far away, but he is a God that we can experience and he is a God that desires for us to know beyond any shadow of a doubt that he is a very real God and he is able to move in any situation that you and I may be going through at this particular moment tonight. And I readily admit that there are times that, there, that God seems a million miles away from where you and I are tonight. I understand that. We, we in our family have been through trials and circumstances that, that it seems like everything in our life is out of control. But we come to the understanding and the knowledge that God is still in control regardless of what I may be going through. I heard Brother Kilgore make the illustration of a young man who was climbing a treacherous mountain. His friends had already uh, scaled the mountain up above him and there was a slip in the fall and uh, the release of the rope. But as he began to fall, he screamed out and all of a sudden he hears from up above his friend calling, are you all right? Where are you? Are you okay? And the man replied back, yes, I'm okay. I'm shaking, but the rock's not. The man had fallen upon a ledge that would not move. He had fallen upon a place that was sure that broke the fall and helped and saved his life. And I want us to understand that we've got a God that we can run to. We've got a God that we can fall upon that regardless of what we're struggling with or fighting against God is a God who's able to lift us up and he's able to hold us fast in that hour and so sometimes we feel that God is a million miles away that it seems that he is out of reach and out of touch. But as the songwriter said, he is as close as the mention of his name. That whatever our needs may be tonight, that God is always there to help us bear our load. That when you and I are tempted, that he is there a very present help in the time of trouble to deliver us from the temptation that we might be struggling with. That if we came to this service sick in our body, that God is still our healer and our miracle worker. Somebody shout amen. I am thankful that God is still a healer. There have been times I've come to the pulpit with a raging fever, sick with a flu, but in the middle of a revival, I felt the power of God quicken me and heal my body and everything would be okay simply because God God wanted to show me once again that I'm there to minister to you, that I'm there to help you, I'm there to lift you up any time that you struggle. Now, I don't want in any way tonight to portray the Lord as some kind of an errand boy who is at our beck and call. But I do want tonight to somehow show you that God is concerned about his children that he is always there to answer the prayer that is prayed out of a heart of faith. I believe that God wants to do more than just uh, give commandments for us to live by, but yet there is no living relationship that lets us know that, that he is more than just a God of the Bible and of a book, but he is a God who in reality draws near to us. 
us. He is our parakletos. He is the God that comes alongside. He is the God who speaks to us and shows us the way in a darkened hour. He is a God that says, underneath you are the everlasting arms and I will sustain you. You see, God wants to get very personal about our lives and our walk with him each and every day we live. So it seems that God is aloof, but yet he is very close. I speak to people tonight that sometimes it seems the reason perhaps that you have not received an answer from prayer. You pray, but there is no answer. You go to a prayer room and the prayer doesn't seem to get above the ceiling of your prayer room. And it's not because you haven't spent the time in prayer asking God to move in a circumstance or talk to the heart of a loved one. It's not because we've not known God's will nor his way. But the scripture tonight sheds some light on our struggle tonight. And it simply says it was a lack of our faith. I don't want to in any way tonight bemean anyone in your struggle. I'm not here to discourage you when you've done your best to believe God. But if you will allow me tonight, I want you to understand that it's not so much that you don't have faith. It is actually a misplacement of your faith. You have gone from believing that God can and you have focused your attention from him to your circumstance. And so now you begin to compare your circumstance with your abilities. And now your heart is faint. And you become discouraged with the knowledge that I can't do anything about this. And that's really where the miracle begins. That when we can't do anything about it, God wants us to say, hey, why don't you turn loose of the problem and let me take care of it because I want to do it for you. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm going to take my time tonight. Is that all right? You see, we do serve an awesome and a mighty God. We, we, you know, we don't serve a God who lacks in his ability or in his power. He is not some gray-headed grandfatherly figment of our imagination who walks stooped over with some weather-beaten staff in hand. No, the God of the Bible that we preach about, the one who is declared to be the almighty God who knows no limitation or bounds, uh, the ancient of days who feels all space and time. It reveals to us that he is the great creator of this universe who has made all things, including you and I tonight, whom he did what he did not with the rest of creation. He put his personal fingerprint and put a stamp of his glory upon us. Are you with me? Because he made us in his likeness and fashioned us after himself. Oh God, hallelujah. He wants us to understand that everything about us has been by divine design. He doesn't make any mistakes about you tonight. Amen. David simply said it this way, I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. And so tonight, what God becomes to us strictly depends on how you and I begin to take a look at him, how we really see him, how big our God becomes depends upon how we take the magnifying scope of his eternal word. And we begin to look at a God who is bigger and greater than anything, any problem, any sickness, any disease, any setback. He is God and he is God alone and he is sufficient tonight. God wants us to understand I'm bigger than anything. I'm bigger than all your problems. I'm bigger than anything. I wish I could remember the words of that old song. But I want you to understand tonight it's still true. He is bigger. Everybody said he's bigger. In Romans 10, 17, the Bible tells us faith comes by hearing 
hearing by the word of God. You see, the word of God gives us a, 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 a look into the power and the magnitude of the God that you and I serve tonight. I want you to understand that he is a God who, who speaks worlds into existence. He, he comes even in the very beginning in the book of Genesis chapter one. In the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void. It simply means that chaos filled the atmosphere. But God is not intimidated by the darkness that chaos brings. He is not moved or fearful about what is in front of you. All God needs to do is have free reign tonight to step to the forefront of the circumstance and speak words beyond yourself. And God can take nothing and he can do everything. Hallelujah. You see, the problems you have today, God's got more to start with with you than he did in the beginning with creation. He takes nothing and makes everything. Seriously. He takes the stars in the Bible. You know, I heard one, read where one poet said he hurled them on the black velvet of night. I don't know about that, but I do know the Bible said he took them and he hung them on nothing. Hello? And the Bible said in Peter that by that same word all things consist. So when God hangs them on nothing, he said, you stay there. Then ain't going nowhere. Right? He puts stars and puts them in their constellations. And God doesn't have to have an erector set to hold it all together. He just simply says it, and there it is. He causes the worlds to exist and planets and galaxies to go to their rightful place in the expanse of heaven. And there, beyond any place where man would ever come to any knowledge of, and yet God still lingers there. And so the Lord begins to move and show us in his word that he is a great and mighty God. In fact, throughout 66 books in your Bible, God begins to show us great and mighty things about himself. In Genesis, he is the woman's seed. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's the atoning sacrifice. In Numbers, he is the bronze servant. In the book of Deuteronomy, he is the promised prophet. In the book of Joshua, he is the unseen captain. In the book of Judges, he is our deliverer. In the book of Ruth, he is our unseen. Come on, he, he is our deliverer. He He's our heavenly kinsman in Samuel Kings and Chronicles. He's the promised king. And Ezra and Nehemiah, he's the restorer of the nations. And Esther, he is our advocate. And Job, he is our redeemer. In Psalms, he says, I am your all in all. In Proverbs, he becomes the pattern. In Ecclesiastes, he becomes our goal. In the Song of Solomon, he is our beloved who waits and knocks on the other side of the door. In the prophets, he is the coming prince of peace. In Matthew, he is Christ the king. In Mark, he is, rather in Luke, he is the son of man. In Mark, he is Christ the servant. In John, he is Christ the son of God. In the book of Acts, he is risen, seated, and sending. In the epistles, he is indwelling and filling. And in Revelation, he is returning and he is reigning. He is king of kings and lord of lords. He is the first, he is the last, and everything in between. He is our God tonight. You go to the, uh, the books and the gospels alone. Matthew says that he is a preacher and a teacher. Mark reveals to us that Jesus, God incarnate, is a cleanser and a healer. In the book of Luke, it tells us that he took care of the homeless and he fed the hungry. John tells us that he worked miracles and calmed the raging sea. In Matthew chapter nine, it declares that our God is a hematologist. He's a blood doctor. In Mark chapter five, he's an oncologist. He can take care of cancer tonight. In Luke 17, he's a dermatologist. He's a skin doctor. In John chapter eight, he's an ophthalmologist. He's an eye doctor. In Matthew nine, it said he's a podiatrist. Come on. In 
in Mark 13, he's a speech therapist. In Luke chapter seven, it said he's an ear, nose, and throat man. John 14 called him a social worker. But you and I come to this service tonight and we call him a specialist. Because he specializes in absolutely everything. He can put your home back together. He can put some Holy Ghost glue in there and he can put your marriage back together. Somebody say amen. He can reach down and he can bring backslidden children home. He can restore, oh, I feel it, but I, I'm just telling you, he can restore order in the home. If he can, restore, come on, if he can bring order to chaos in the beginning, honey, all you gotta do is get God in the equation and God can do miracles tonight. God is a great God. He's bigger than anything. When you think tonight that the moon is just over 100,000 miles away from the earth and Pluto, the farthest planet in our solar system, is about 10 billion miles away and you start traveling out farther than that, about 50 billion miles is what scientists call interstellar space and it reaches distances absolutely impossible for our mind to even ascertain tonight. But it's there that we find the nearest star to our galaxy, the Proxima Centauri. It's 25 trillion miles away. Just a Sunday drive. But it's there you and I come to an understanding that in order to reach that star traveling at the speed of light, it would be like taking a young infant from a mother after maybe a few months of bonding with that mother and take that child and stick it in a rocket and blast it off from Cape Canaveral or possibly Houston, Texas and, and make all the mid-course adjustments, make sure everything's in that rocket for that child to make it hypothetically. But by the time that, star re that, that rocket reaches that star traveling at the speed of light, by the time it gets there and lands on that star, that child is now an elderly individual drawing its last ebbing breath of life and the Lord said hey I just want you to know that I'm bigger than all of this and then trying to going out farther than that is what scientists tell us is called intergalactic space and that's where that is the space between the galaxies and beyond that there's absolutely no ending can you imagine a place tonight where no human telescope is ever going to discover the contents of its black scape. Think about it tonight. Can you imagine tonight where no human is ever going to go and live long enough to tell about it? And then to realize that in all of that, and in all the glory and the beauty and the splendor of the planets and the constellations, God said, I'm bigger than all of that. And the mere whisper of my voice created it all. You see, some things are just not as big of a problem for God as we make it out to be. You see, when God spoke this world into existence and he created us and we perpetuate from, very, from Adam and Eve from the very beginning, God said, I didn't even break a sweat. Because there's just some things you're, you're not meant to struggle with. God said, I'm here to take care of that for you. Like I said, I'm not trying to make God out to be some kind of an errand boy, but I want you to understand something. Too many times we sell God short in our circumstance. You see, God doesn't struggle like we struggle tonight. You see, God showed Moses in his deliverance from Egypt that God is mightier than Pharaoh and his armies. He shows Joshua who is second in command when Moses is carried and buried uh, and he tells Joshua that he will now carry the mantle and he will lead the children of Israel into their promised land and into their Canaan that he reveals to him that, that he is still bigger than the walls of Jericho and every barrier to victory and the blessings of God. He shows Jehoshaphat that there are some battles that simply do not belong to man 
man, they still belong to God. In the New Testament, after men have not heard from God for 400 years, and now they, he is suffering through sin, separating power. Angels herald the arrival of a deliverer and a savior, and Jehovah God, who has so often delivered man in the past annals of Israel's history, now steps to the forefront, comes out of eternity, and he puts on the robe of flesh, born in a manger, raised in a home that fears God, and he baffles the minds of the Pharisees and Sadducees, and only to reveal to them that now what you see is more than what you understand. And he begins a ministry and leaves baptismal waters with clothes wet and dripping. And he leaves and begins a ministry under the anointing and unction of God himself. For he is the extension of God to show us that there is a greater way. And that God is still able to take care of his people. Let's lift our hands. I feel the Holy Ghost here. God is, God is wanting to talk to us and remind us tonight because he steps into circumstances beyond the control of people and he walks into the homes of those whose eyes cannot see and makes them see again. He walks into those lives who are burning with fever and he cools the fevered brow. He is a God who steps beyond the shadows of obscurity and that resolves the questions that man has and he is able to cause the lame to walk again. There's just something about it when God shows up in a service or in someone's home that when we begin to breathe that all-powerful name of Jesus, God is wanting to knock on our door again. He's wanting to reveal to us again. He's wanting to show us all over that I'm still your God. And if I'm still able, then what's keeping you from your miracle because he still opens the blinded eye and unstops the deaf and ear and he causes the dumb to speak and the lame to leap and yea, he can cause the dead to rise again. Luke 4 and 18 said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Are you hearing me tonight? Are you listening to the word? Jesus said this is, this is what my mission is. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. You see, there's no pain too deep that God can't resolve it and heal it. I talked to a young girl on the phone about two days ago, a girl that I pastored, her mother and her father. They're pastoring in the state of Texas, and, and she's been through quite an ordeal in the past. I shared a few of those things with your pastor, and uh, I won't go into a lot of things, and I will not call any names tonight, but I will simply let you know this, that, that after all that she has been through and all of the circumstances and the shame and the hurt uh, of the failures of, of, of certain individuals, that she's had to live with what seems to be the shadow always across her path. And finally, it seems that things begin to break open in her life and God begins to work and, uh, and the blessings of the Lord begin to flow and uh, her giftings come to fruition in many ways. And all of a sudden, the young boy that she was dearly in love with and about to marry, all of a sudden says, I don't love you, I don't want you, and it has hurt her deeply and, uh, and surely it would any of us, but I want you to understand God is still a God who knows how to heal the brokenness of the heart and he knows how to move in our lives and restore. First John 3 and 8, the Bible tells us it's because of sin that the Son of Man was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's what he came to do to destroy the works of the devil. The works are the fruit. And through the subtlety that the enemy causes us to fall, God says, that's what I want to remedy, the fall. Stay with me tonight. You see, he wants to destroy the works of the devil in your life. You see, the enemy doesn't give up just because you're now filled with the Holy Ghost. Just give me a good nod tonight. 
You see, he doesn't stop just because you had a good shout on Sunday morning and Sunday night. In fact, most times it's after services like that that he is there breathing his nasty breath in your face early on a Monday morning and trying to really wreck your day. But you've got to remember he came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to destroy the power of sin in your life, sir. He came to destroy the treachery and the mindset that the enemy has caused you to fall into that seemingly keeps you stumbling in your journey with the Lord. And so God shows us that I am the only power you need. God is a supreme ruler over anything and everything, no matter what's going on tonight. Listen to me carefully. I'm going to show you by the word of God. And I want you to understand that it's the word of God that gives us a foundation to believe. You see, if there's a time that the enemy knows that if he can subvert our faith, and that's where the battle really is, church, it's our faith. I've never seen a day where people's faith is under attack. I'm talking about people who've had the Holy Ghost for years are now questioning doctrine and questioning our lifestyle and questioning biblical principles. Hello, somebody. Questioning the very existence of God. Can I get an amen? And I went to Bible college with a man. You know, he writes his senior thesis on the oneness of God. And then just the very week after he graduates, he starts writing anti-oneness material and how he's gone from from an assembly God, he's trapped on down and now he's, he's gone from that to Baptist to Catholic and now he doesn't believe anything. The enemy wants to attack and subvert our faith. But God reminds us that your faith has got to be in a God that changes not who is your anchor in a troubled storm. Now, I don't want to preach too long tonight. I want, I want to get to the pie-throwing part of this thing. <laughs> I lost my anointing over that, praise God. But the Lord says, I rule over everything, even pies. Praise God. Watch this. You see, regardless of what we face, God said, I, I'm over that. Hello? He rules over the heavens, Isaiah 66 and 1. Thus saith the Lord. Everybody said, the Lord said it. Heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you build unto me? And where is the place of my rest? He rules the earth. Psalm 24 and 1, the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. He rules the kings of the earth. Listen to me. Psalm, Proverbs 21 and 1, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, and as the rivers of waters, he turneth it whithersoever he will. Let me, let me talk to you about backsliders just a moment. Can I, can I do that? Can I talk to you about your loved ones that are astray from God tonight? Uh, let me tell you something. They ain't as hard and they ain't as bad as they want you to think. I'm fixing the metal. I feel it. I'm just telling you, every time they want to call your bluff, you know, when you're inviting them to church and, and, you, and you kind of tease them a little bit, say, I'm really going to pray for you, and then they say something smart, Alec, you know. Hello? I've got them in my family. I just want you to understand that, you know, they want to put on that tough image and, uh, and oh, they're big and bad and, uh, you know, I don't need God like you think and, you know, that place is for weak folks. I got news for you. God knows that heart uh, and he rules over that heart whether they think so or not. Uh, and every time you pray, uh, amen, your faith is that nerve that's moving the hand of God uh, in their life. And the Bible said uh, that like the rivers of water, he's turning that heart. He's moving them whether they want to admit it or not. He rules over the kings of the earth. You got that boss you just hate? Oh, excuse me. I went there, didn't I? You got that boss that you hate? Now, I know where I'm going, but I'm going to throw this in there for good measure. You need a little comedy relief, praise God. But I want you to understand something. Instead of you fuming and pouting and going home, and talking to your wife about it, 
and your girlfriend and your best friend and your right. Let me tell you something. If you'll take this thing and put it in the hand of God, and I know some of you are so mad, sometimes you get so mad about what goes on at work and you're ready to spit spit nails. Then you can build a high-rise building just... <laughs> and you, you get aggravated about that instead of turning it over to God. You get so mad, you say, boy, I'm just going to give him a piece of my mind. And, and man, I'm just, I'm not, God, just, and you get down there and invariably, and if you hadn't done it, God bless you, praise God. But when I was a young convert, man, I had a boss, I just, oh, man, mm. man, I was about like Jackie Gleason on the honeymooners. <laughs> Here we go, you know. And, uh, you know, you, you just wanted to lay it on them. And uh, you want to really give it to them. And all of a sudden in prayer, I'm praying. I said, oh, God, just fire. Get out of the way. And I, I, and I was just slobbering all over the altar and making a mess. And the Lord kind of tapped on my shoulder and said, hey, boy, you pray in the wrong way. You pray the right way, it'll release me to do what you're asking me to do. And so I said, well, Lord, how would I pray? And the Lord said, and he just began to talk to me. And he said, go to this scripture. And I went over this scripture. He said, pray for your enemy. Pray for me to bless them. Oh, I feel it. <laughs> Don't throw no song books, praise God. And he said, I won't pray that way. And the Lord said, when you start praying that way, I'm going to start moving for you. I'm going to talk to you a little bit. You start praying for your loved ones that's done you wrong. And you're praying for people that said things about you. And you and you pray for those that started rumors behind your back. And you pray for the oh yeah. Like uh, I'm gonna mean it from my heart and I'm gonna pray till it till it really does become a part of me. Here it is. Now I'm just I just feel I'm just feeling a check in my spirit. I'm gonna, I'm gonna camp out here just a few more moments, all right? And I'm gonna turn you loose, praise God. But all of a sudden, the Lord started dealing with me and said, now, you'll pray for me to bless her. In fact, I want you to get real specific. I said, all right, how specific you want, God? And the Lord said, I want you to pray that I will elevate her and promote her. But when I started praying that way, all of a sudden, the anger and the resentment that I had all of a sudden started dispelling out of my spirit. And all of a sudden, I could pray with a joy and I could pray with more assurance and I could pray with a love in my heart for that individual and I could go to work and I could look that lady in the eye. And regardless of what she had done and the things she said, that I could still say, hey, I'm glad to know who you are. Get to that place, friend. I got news for you. God's got control. So as I began to pray that way, the Lord took a hold of it, and he answered that prayer, and he promoted her, and he blessed her. Long story short, and I'm using this as an illustration, but don't take this the wrong way. But what happened in reality in time, she got in over her head. And they dismissed her. Now, I didn't pray that prayer for them to fire her. I prayed that prayer because what was important was letting God be God in my life and have control in my life and release to him the reins of my life. Does anybody hear me? See, surrender to God brings power into your life. Say it one more time. Surrender to God brings his power into your life. Power to overcome. Power to live for him. Power to walk in his plan. You want your prayers to prevail? Submit and give God the reins. King's heart is in the hand of the Lord, and as the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he wills. 
He rules the elements, Proverbs 30 and 4. I hope you all are getting something out of this tonight. Proverbs 30 and 4, it says that he declares that, 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 that he, he gathers the wind in his fist and binds the waters in a garment. He has established the ends of the earth. Jesus steps to the forefront of a boat. His disciples are in a storm. He has resisted the accolades and the, and the play of force to make him a king after he has fed the thousands. He has ascended the mountain, and there in prayer he conquers all of those worldly things. But it's in the middle of prayer the Lord sees his disciples struggling. And In fact, the word in the King James is toiling and rowing. It means they were tormented. They were literally out of their mind trying to deal with a circumstance that was beyond their control. And the Lord begins to step out on, uh, on tempestuous waves uh, and begins to walk out there to him. And there he stands to the bow of the ship. He walks by, said, hey. And Peter looks out there. It's really you. Tell me to come out there. Come on out. Now listen to me. Some of you praying for a walk with God. Let me tell you something. Learning to trust God through the storm is the only place you're going to learn it. That's the only school. Somebody say amen. <clears throat> Hate to say it. Sometimes school gets in session. We don't like that. Now, I'm preaching all this to help somebody tonight because God wants you to understand that I'm bigger than your situation. And I'm not only able to deliver you from it, I'm able to deliver you in it. Let me, let me, let me get on with my message here. You consider Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And their refusal doing the right thing is what got them in the fiery furnace. Sometimes doing the right thing gets you in a bad spot but you keep trusting God and keep praying God knows how to deliver. And a lot of our attitude, Brother Buford, we've got to simply say, now, Lord, you're the one in control. You're the one that's got the reins to this thing. And their response to Nebuchadnezzar was, hey, turn it up, whatever. No big deal. You go ahead and turn up that. Just, just so you know, we're not going to bow. And because they didn't bow, God made sure they didn't burn. So I want to ask you tonight, if God is able, what's keeping you from your miracle? He rules over your enemies. Elijah understood in the face of insurmountable odds of the Syrian army that came against them when his servant could only see the chariots and the glistening armor of the enemy, Elijah said, you're going to have to get a higher point of view because they that be with us are more than be with them. He rules over the heavens. He rules over the earth. He rules your enemies. He rules over the hearts of people. He rules over Satan. He rules over death. Somebody say amen. And he rules over hell. Let's all stand. God is everything we need tonight. He is in complete control of every circumstance. He is still our peace speaker and our problem solver. He is our miracle worker and our heart mender. He is our provider. He is our supplier. He is still the El Shaddai God that is more enough. He is our shepherd and he is our song. He is our sword and our shield. He is the healer of all my diseases, the forgiver of all my iniquities. The scripture reveals to us he's high and holy. He is merciful and majestic and there is nothing too hard for him. He is the overcomer, overseer of the overcomers, the captain of our salvation. He is altogether lovely, and Jesus is his name. I want you to understand that Herod couldn't kill him. Learned men couldn't baffle him. Politicians couldn't budge him. Couldn't bribe him. Pharisees couldn't trick him. 
Pilate couldn't touch him. The devil couldn't do anything with him. The cross couldn't keep him in the grave, couldn't hold him. No, he's bigger than all of that. He's bigger tonight than AIDS or Alzheimer's, arthritis, anorexia, bulimia, bursitis, cataracts, cancer, depression, diabetes, emphysema, epilepsy. Oh, yes, he is. Hepatitis, I pray for people that God healed them of hepatitis. I want you to understand he's still God over hepatitis. He's still God over fibromyalgia. He's still God over heart disease. He's still God over melanoma, migraines, tuberculosis, anything else we can name. I have seen countless people healed of cancer. I have watched cancer fall off my dad's chest. I have prayed for many people and I've seen them by the power and the grace of God come in faith, not having anything else to lose. But they recognize one thing and one thing alone. My God is able. My God is able. I've watched them come. A young lady that I pastored, Sister Karen, we called her Tammy, is a nickname. Karen came to church uh, one Thursday night and uh, just seemed like the whole world had caved in on this precious saint of God. Faithful, worked with the youth. She did her best to be a soul winner. She did her best to support the work of God. Faithful in all of her ways to the best of her ability. And she came to church, and usually she had a, a little nephew and niece and tag uh, behind her. And, and uh, they were not with her that night. She carried a big old sack over her shoulder. It wasn't even a purse, just a lot of stuff for the kids to kind of keep them occupied while service was going on. She carried a big old Bible under her arm, large printing. She made her way to that back bench, and, and instead of putting things down in a very uh, meticulous way. She just simply dumped it all in with a great big noise and fell in on top of it. And her big shoulders shrugged and shook as she began to cry and sob. While the rest of us were enjoying the presence of God and worshiping the Lord. Karen sat back there with a broken heart and a handful of broken pieces something got a hold of me as her pastor and I stopped the music and I called her by name and I said Karen you need to come on up here I don't know what's going on and I don't know what's happening and I don't need to know if you don't want to tell me and I said but God's bigger than what's going on in your life right now and I want you to come on up here we're going to pray for you you know when you love people whether you're a pastor, evangelist, prophet whatever you call yourself I want you to understand something when you love people, that is the avenue which God begins to do some of the greatest miracles in some of the most simplistic ways. Sister Karen came forward, and as she was coming, she said, wiping her tears, and her eyes were so swollen. She said, Pastor, if we're going to pray, you need to know why we're praying. She began to tell us a story. She said, for about three or four months now, I've had severe pain in my lower extremities and my abdomen. She didn't hold anything back. She began to give details. And, of course, we didn't have no problem with that. I wanted her to tell us. She said, I've been in a lot of pain. She said, Pastor, I went to the doctor, and they took x-rays, did blood work. They've done MRIs, CAT scans. They've done it all. I went to his office today for my interview. The doctor put the x-rays up on the x-ray uh, whatever they call it and it showed several cysts and tumors throughout her body and she began to tell us in that church service she said it doesn't look good pastor I'm malignant and the doctor said I have 30 days to live something rose up in my spirit it still does when I think about it and I just simply said, I refuse that report. I said, it doesn't matter what the doctor's report said. We have a God who's able. We began to pray for her and gather the ladies around. And 
we were worshiping the Lord and thanking God for his touch and, her, and, the, and the miracle that she needed. So she went back and finished out the Bible study 10 minutes before she left out. But it's on her way, she later told us. I called my doctor and I left a message. He contacted me back. And she said, I, I was at church and, and I got prayed for and I, I'm just believing God. Do you mind if I get a second opinion? And the doctor said, yes, by all means, let's get a second opinion. I think that would be wise in this case. He said, I have a man who believes in miracles. I have a friend, a colleague that believes in God like you do, and we'll send you to him. And so they set up the appointment and got everything ready. She went in, unbelievably, the very next day to have the same test run. And the doctor said, can you be here perhaps tomorrow? I'll expedite everything, and I'll make sure the report's back. Yes, I can be here. She came back and sat down with that doctor and he put up the old x-ray and, and he showed her, yes, this is what your doctor sent. Yes, we've looked at the blood work, the results, it is malignant. And his diagnosis was right according to this report. He said, but I want to show you how good God is. He put the other x-ray up and turned on the light and he said, what was there is now gone. It's gone. You're healed. You can give God... If God is able, what's keeping you from your miracle? I could go on and on tonight. Miracle after miracle. I've seen blinded eyes open and deaf and ears unstopped, crooked limbs straight in my hand. I have, I have watched marriages put back together. I have seen some incredible things that seemingly were given up for dead. But somebody understood they serve a God that's able. And I'm reaching for people tonight. You've got needs that you want the Lord to take care of. You prayed about it till it seems like you're blue in the face. You prayed so hard about it, you no longer have the strength to pray. It was incredible that they sang that song tonight. Sometimes you pray until there are no more tears to be shed. And you still don't have and I'm going to open these altars for all of us tonight because you're not the only one that came here with a need. There are needs that this preacher and his precious family are facing. There are things that my mother is facing tonight. But I want you to understand we do serve a God, hallelujah, that's able. Amen. And if our God is able, I just want to ask us uh, what's keeping us from our miracle tonight. Amen. Can you come tonight? We're going to open these altars. Uh, come on, don't, don't sit back tonight. But why don't we, with every step we take when we come out of those chairs, uh, let's take a step of faith. Uh, let's take a step believing. Let's take a step.